Today is Tuesday, March 15th, and this is episode number five of Hard to Kill. Okay, welcome back for another episode. As always, my name is Jeff Allgaier. And I'm Katie. Hello, everybody. Um, we're going to start this week with another little bit of, I think, current events or current information. I was reading online the other day. I thought this was kind of appropriate considering the time of year, but it was talking about another study that was done. It was a small study. I mean, not very many people were in the study, but they were basically measuring how light at night affects our quality of sleep. And uh, this is something that we have taught in our office, just obviously the importance of sleep and and uh, all of the physiologic benefits and healing and repair and the importance of sleep. It's not something, you know, that we do to uh, just because we're tired and to rest our bodies. I mean, literally, this is when the the body and the mind repair themselves. Uh, You know, uh, information that we've learned gets stored from short-term memory into long-term memory. Um, So a lot of of important things happen at night, uh, which we'll get into, you know, maybe on a later podcast. But uh, one of the strategies, one of the things I think that we really do wrong is all of the light that our body's exposed to at night and how that affects our quality of sleep. Um, Obviously it is kind of a, you know, most people have blinds in their room that, you know, block sunlight from getting in or moonlight or, you know, street lights or whatever. Um, But even the amount of light from alarms or cell phones or, you know, devices that have lights on them at night can really affect our quality of sleep and, uh, even some pretty important physiologic markers. So kind of in this study, they basically found even low low amounts of light was disrupting things. So we know that that when you don't get enough sleep, just how much that affects your insulin sensitivity, um, which is a, a huge, I think we talked about insulin on, maybe it was podcast two or three and mm-hmm. metabolism, at least briefly. Uh, but when, when we become insulin resistant or, or we decrease our insulin sensitivity, the amount of insulin it takes to store the sugar that we are eating and other substances like protein into the cells of our body, it needs to go up and up and up. And so the pancreas has to overwork to release so much more insulin in our bodies. Uh, and we actually, it becomes, even with tons of insulin, we aren't very good at storing that sugar. And when we have too much sugar in our bloodstream, this affects so many things from immune function to uh, blood vessel health, nerve health. There's just so many things that get affected by this. And um, the, the study just proved this again. It's one of many that talks about how light affects that. But again, even low levels of light was shown to have a, a big impact on our quality of sleep at night. So um, I think some takeaways from this is, and we're going to get into sleep a little bit more, like I said, on a later podcast. But as far as things that we can do to help keep our room dark at night, mm-hmm. what would you suggest for that? Blackout curtains. I know. I also want to add in the EMFs stuff. So if you want to get Faraday curtains and block out some of that, because that totally interrupts our sleep as well. Wi-Fi signals, da-da-da. We turn off our phones at night as well for, again, to have a better quality, uninterrupted sleep. But blackout curtains are great. So what's a blackout curtain? That shuts off complete 
light. They're completely opaque curtains um, that don't filter through um, any sunlight or very minimal light um, coming in from the windows. Um, we don't have blackout curtains, full honesty. No, we doubled up, though. We have Roman shades and curtains. Yes, we have two, <laughs> two sets of curtains. Um, but that is something that, you know, especially for people that live in a city, where you've got streetlights around you and, and uh, you know, it's hard to, you know, if you're out in the country and you can just shut the door. I, I, so I'm not of the opinion. I, like, obviously, I think we go back to how animals live and our hunter-gatherer ancestors, you know, they were exposed to sunlight and moonlight and, you know, that was part of it. Um, but it's that, especially that artificial light, some of those, you know, wavelengths of light that are produced more by LEDs and some of those different things which become really disruptive. I think LEDs have been shown to be more disruptive to uh, melatonin, circadian rhythm function, mm -hmm. blood sugars, you know, insulin sensitivity than the typical incandescent lights. But for people, especially that live in a city, having curtains that can really shut out that artificial light is super important to ensure quality of sleep. Um, and then alarm clocks. We don't use alarm clocks in our house. I mean, annoyingly, we have used cell phones by our bed for years. Yeah. And as you pointed out, I mean, they're great for, you know, some things. You know, they got alarms on them. We play. Wordle. Uh, what? <laughs> we play Wordle. Wordle, Wordle before bed. That's how we routine. prepare. Uh, <laughs> with our blue light glasses on, though. Um, yeah. But that is something as kate mentioned we do now turn off the wi-fi and the cell service to our cell phones but the reality is is that that that's even something that should be you know she talked about faraday curtains which you know the from we're getting bombarded with radio signals from you know artificial radio signals which are you know we think of radio signals like we get in our car but all wi-fi cell they're all radio waves um and we're just being bombarded with that which can you know affect that so maybe they're you know we've talked about that too you can get little packages to put your phone in at night that block out the this or just turn them off is the way to do it but the cell phone um the radio waves generated by the phone but um <laughs> And this is kind of an interesting thing. It's just how ubiquitous these radio waves that we're exposed to are. Uh, this has nothing to do with sleep, but it's just an interesting point. So uh, I think, what, a month ago you bought a... Like One of those EMF meters. Yeah, so an readers. EMF meter that reads... It, it reads um, magnetized and electrolyzed... Um, fields. Fields. Thank you. Because I'm... No the idea. physics of, <laughs> of frequencies and... All that is a little bit lost in me. All I know is that when I tested the radio frequency, um, especially when like driving around these now, um, all these 5G towers that have popped up, it's off the chart. It's crazy. Yeah. So you, you actually brought that to our <laughs> office yesterday. And this is, um, we have Wi-Fi in our office. The problem with this and even in neighborhoods is if you open up your cell phone right now uh, or your computer and search for Wi-Fi signals, you'll get all your neighbor's Wi-Fi signals. Those are all radio waves that are, we're being you know, bombarded with. And, um, I joke and I'm, I say it's cooking us. Right, we're yeah. being cooked in a microwave. Uh, the, our office, though, where we worked was... It's crazy. It, but again, you think about, I mean, how many businesses are there that all have their own internet supply <laughs> and whatever. So we're all generating all of these Wi-Fi signals, these radio wave signals that, you know, can affect us. And we're, we're going to dive into that a little bit more. But it was just an interesting thing to, to even see 
you know, at night when you are sleeping, just to be able to turn that off and give your body rest from being bombarded with these radio waves. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying everyone has to run out and get that meter, but it is interesting to see how, mm-hmm. how that affects. We, <clears throat> we, you know, for convenience in our house have bought a mesh Wi-Fi system, which are, you know, there's little pods that connect to each other. But, you know, the downside with that is, again, you're just getting, you know, more exposure. You get all these mm-hmm. pods that are producing all these little Wi-Fi signals and, um, you know, how disruptive this turns out to be, I think, is something that is uh, up for discussion. But I don't, I mean, certainly we're exposed to way more of these radio wave signals than we have ever been mm-hmm. uh, by far in the last maybe 20 years. I mean, I'm trying to think when we had our first Wi-Fi router. Like, I don't even remember, were we in, I mean, even in chiropractic After college, I don't think we had one. So it was... So like the 2005 or so. Yeah, even later because Ethan was born in 2007. Oh, right. So it would have been probably after that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The, the, um, but it's just that's gone up. That's gone way up. And I think this is a, an important concept of, you know, we, we tend to judge the safety of things on such short-term timeframes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... We do this with diet. We do this with lack of exercise. We do this with toxins in the environment, lack of sleep. You're not necessarily, I mean, sleep's maybe one of those things. If you get a bad night's sleep, you can really tell the next day. And in fact, even the research shows, I mean, four hours of sleep one night, uh, I think it's one or two nights in a row. I mean, you can virtually turn your immune system off. Like it just becomes that ineffective. So that is maybe a little bit, but most people aren't, you're not going to know necessarily that your immune system is only functioning at 20% compared to two days ago when you slept better. It's this amount of dysfunction that gets to a quote-unquote clinical level that we actually feel or can measure um, that usually takes years. And so that's, I think, our concern with this. And this, <laughs> we did not plan on actually talking about 5G, but uh, my wife talks about 5G at frequency and Jesus. That's like the three things. That's all the conversations we have. Um, but I, th- I do think this plays into even cell phones in the rooms and, and all of that. And I think... I, I, I don't think it's, I think it's a good idea to just err on the side of caution with this stuff and, and go, I mean, certainly anything that wasn't around years ago that is unnatural, you know, you know, who knows, who knows, maybe it turns out to be not as disruptive to body functions as, as, you know, it is, we think it might be, maybe, but yeah. I, I would rather err on the side of caution with this one and, uh, and continue to dig in and, and research all this stuff and, and just know that we're exposed to a lot of that, which again, goes back to sleep. We can disrupt that, but, but, uh, I, I guess a challenge would be to really look and see how much light you think is in your room, uh, at night. and light. your kids' rooms. We have night lights mm-hmm. and some of those things, you know, but they, this can disrupt quality sleep at night and that has severe physiologic consequences and this is different than you know having one or two bad nights of sleep in a row but imagine getting less than adequate sleep night after night after night after night after night after night like how how that adds up and multiplies to really affect overall health adaptability you know normal Mm -hmm. cell function as we always talk about in the body ultimately is just going to lead to more chronic illness uh, there's no question. So we think that's a huge. We think that's a huge issue that a lack of quality sleep is contributing to the state of disease, illness. You know, and it's one aspect suffering. that's often off overlooked, and yeah. it's so simple. Yeah, I think we we kind of and again, this is not a sleep 
sleep podcast, but I, I, I mean, I do think we have this concept like sleep is for the week. You know, we need to. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'll sleep when I'm dead. You'll sleep early. You'll be dead earlier if you don't <laughs> sleep properly. That's a good way to put it. Uh, it really is. It is a. Your body is a Ferrari, and if you do not take care of your Ferrari and repair the damage from driving it all day, you know, and we're not just talking, I mean, the amount of work that goes into keeping you alive, functioning, dealing with this toxic environment that we live in is astounding. And so quality of sleep is is uh, important. And this is a very controllable thing. It's a mm-hmm. very controllable thing. So uh, if you don't, you know, if you have an alarm clock that you can turn the um, lights out, that would be something that's useful. Um, use a cell phone uh, if you have to. I think turning off as much of the de- that device as you can, you know, put it in airplane mode. Um, have you tested the EMF when it's in airplane mode? No, so we'll, only when gonna, it was on. We're going to do that and get back to you and just see even a cell phone that's on. So you've got cell phones nowadays have cellular connectivity. They've got Wi-Fi connectivity and Bluetooth. I believe that Bluetooth is still, it's a, it's a near field or a close short range radio signal. I've uh, seen people test the AirPods. Yes. The which, wireless ones. And it's, it, it throws strong. off a lot of. Yeah. And that's not sitting too know. close to the brain. No problem. Right. You're cooking your brain, man. <laughs> um. But we actually will do a test with that and, and try and see with our we have iPhones, but um, we'll try and do a test with that and maybe report back next time just the different amounts of EMF that get emitted. If you keep your phone on mm-hmm. with all three, cell, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth on, and then we'll, do, we'll just see what those levels are. Yeah. When it, <clears throat> I tested ours when it was just on and with all the things turned on. And it wasn't a consistently high uh reading on the meter it was pingy it, it would like we would burst it would yeah bursts of off the chart uh readings yeah and then it would settle down and stuff like that um and obviously and then, i think that depends on what you're doing on the phone yeah. when you're using it so what what yeah. apps are running that are collecting or sending out data videos i think um watching a video or on right. youtube or whatever throw it off more radiation um so the cell phone thing may be another thing that if you, you know, that's not something you keep right by your bed. Uh, that is something that you put down. And certainly it should be in silent motor. So it doesn't, if you get a text or something, it doesn't, the light doesn't spring on at night. You want to mm-hmm. minimize things that are producing light in your room at night. Blackout curtains, heavy curtains that block light coming in are better than light curtains. Um, and again, especially for in-city, people that are in-city, in-towns, that have artificial light being created, it's artificial. It's abnormal. Our hunter-gatherer ancestors didn't have that. You want to turn that off. Amen. Um, which does lead to, we're going to talk something a little bit, uh, uh, something a little bit more about sleep uh, as well here today, which is daylight savings and the time change that we have to go through twice a, twice a year. Uh we're, I don't know. Lots of people have different opinions on that. I think it's kind of annoying. I'd rather just pick one and stick with it uh, than changing it. Uh, there are obviously reasons that you know we keep it on. Some states down here in, in the United States don't do it. I think Arizona doesn't change. Indiana doesn't do it. Indiana doesn't change. Um, you know, it. The time change can be a pain in the butt. You know, it's annoying uh, to do that. But I, I think a big thing when it comes to health is how that affects our natural sleep patterns. So we're going to talk about something called the circadian rhythm, which is a 
I, I guess I'd classify it as kind of a metabolic rhythm that your body goes through. So you get changes in body chemistry, different hormones change, um, cortisol levels, melatonin levels, serotonin levels, uh, different levels that change that help prepare your body to be awake and active versus getting your body ready to rest, recover, and be at, uh, asleep at night. Um, the circadian rhythm is built into us genetically based on the natural rhythms of kind of light and day. Um, it does seem to match up with that. Obviously, depending on where you live, people that live closer to the equator have a much more consistent throughout the year, night and day, light and dark. People that live more in northern hemispheres, so we're in Minnesota, I hail from Edmonton, Alberta, um, and then if you're even further north like Alaska, the variations in light and dark, obviously everyone knows this, but are drastically different between mm-hmm. daylight and summer. But the circadian rhythms don't really change that much. It's, it's it really for an adult is um, your circadian rhythms change for sleep around 10 p.m. till about 6 a.m. For kids, it's probably a little bit longer than that, you know, and I don't know this for sure, but I think it's like eight to eight in that range. You start to see that, that sort of stuff change. Little kids need more sleep. What's interesting is that our teenagers, this is uh, something I didn't, no, I read this book called Why We Sleep by a, a PhD named Matthew Walker. Uh, super interesting book. We will go through a lot of stuff that I learned while reading that book when we dig into sleep a little bit more. The reason we're talking about this now is because of the because of the circadian or the uh, the time changes. Um, but he, the teenagers naturally their circadian rhythm shifts to be later at night than. An adult, you and I, I mean, you and I are often, you know, nine o'clock hits and we're just like, please, when is it bedtime? And, you know, going to sleep used to be painful when you were young and be like, I don't want to go to bed. Now we just can't wait to get to bed. Um, but as a teenager, that circadian rhythm shifts to later in the night. So it might be more like 11 or midnight before that circadian rhythm changes and doesn't ramp back up till eight or nine. So we think our teenagers are kind of lazy for staying up later and sleeping in, but they're actually physiologically built more. It it changes so that they do stay up later. And in this book, it did kind of talk about that there's actually a, a tribal benefit to that where you have people that are built to be up at different times of the night for protection. You think if you're, you know, back in more kind of a hunter gatherer times where, you know, I would say our genetics were kind of, you know, stamped in, um, you know, having someone stay up to be able to keep the fire going or to watch out for predators or whatever, you wanted that layover. So you had people that stayed up a little bit more and then that would change. So it's kind of maybe built into us uh, that way from a tribal perspective. Um, I don't know, but I would say that we need to take it a little bit easier on our kids when they want to sleep in a little bit. Um, Certainly, I think our kids spend probably don't get enough quality sleep because we're plugged into electronics too much Mm -hmm. which can affect things and you know these different concepts but it is it is true that it does seem that our teenagers adolescents um do their circadian rhythms are different than an adult where it shifts to being up later at night and sleep in later in the morning than you and i think is normal so you know although our teenagers are probably lazy they're not as lazy as we think there is some physiology behind that um but what we need when we talk about circadian rhythms, we want to be sleeping. So we want eight hours of sleep at night, eight plus hours of sleep at night. So that eight is the minimum. That's kind of what the research shows. And we want those eight hours to match the circadian rhythms. So as an adult, there is a big difference between getting eight hours of sleep between 12 and 8 a.m. 
midnight and 8 a.m. than there is between 10 and 6. Um, naturally, your body, your REM cycles, which are kind of your sleep cycles that you go through, they start to become lighter in the morning. You shift more out of deep sleep into lighter level sleep early in the morning. And so it you actually start in more deep sleep. I literally... Uh, my mom, I remember her saying this when I was younger, that it's sleep before it's the sleep before midnight that really counts. And each each kind of cycle of sleep that we take is used for something different. Um, however, I think I think that's the key. When we don't get to sleep early enough, it is our deep sleep cycles that are the ones that get interrupted. And so um, and we will talk about sleep cycles and what the different cycles are, the difference between REM sleep and the deep sleep cycles uh, a little bit more on a, a different podcast but um, so if we're not getting that if we're if we're cheating or not getting this our sleep done in that matches accordingly to our um, circadian rhythms that does have consequences on the quality of sleep that we're getting and we know that one of the most one of the most important factors in getting proper consistent sleep um, is going to bed and actually being asleep at consistent times. And so the fact that I think the spring ahead, this time changes a little bit easier because usually what happens is, is that we end up just being tired and going to bed earlier. But if you're one of those people that like always goes to bed at let's say 1030 and all of a sudden the time changes and you're staying up an extra hour later, you are cutting into an hour of that deep sleep. And so from a health perspective, I would say that, you know, we need to get rid of these time changes and they can be really hard on the body. I do believe that if you look at like heart attacks uh, throughout the year, that the Christmas and New Year's are always the worst, mm -hmm. but you also get two other spikes around the time changes. Um, I, I believe I read that somewhere and I'm actually going to do a little research to that just kind of popped in as I was saying this. I don't want to be saying anything that's not true, but I do believe that that's the case. Um, and so... You know, my, I, I guess our advice is if we can't change the, you know, time changes, if we don't in control of that or it's going to stay the same, that we try and match up um, our sleep cycles as consistently as we can with the circadian rhythm and not vary. So what I mean by that is if you're typically, we typically are in bed by 10 o'clock, um, that we need to, when the time changes, I need to be in bed I guess how this would work with this time change is I would stay up until 11, 11 yeah. but I'm not going to do that because this is what I'm saying. I, I think that the, I think that the, the spring ahead is a little bit easier. You are going to be getting up an hour earlier. So you're cutting off. And so if what happens is if I stayed up until 11, actually, I would, I have to get up at the same time because my work starts an hour earlier. So I would be cutting an hour of sleep earlier. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is still try and do 10 o'clock, I would say then. But in the fall back, in October, when we, when we lose an hour, instead of staying up until 10, you would go to bed at 9, which would match up with the 10 o'clock before the time change. I hope that makes sense. But you really want to try and keep that as consistent as you can throughout the year. And if you're gonna if you're gonna change, don't do it all in one night. You might go like in fifteen minutes, yeah, or or five minute increments even, yeah. and give your body a chance to kind of even adjust. I do believe that it is possible to kind of adjust even with your circadian rhythms a little bit. But it's not as it's not it's not going to happen overnight. I think it takes time for that to that to happen. But just very abruptly, all of a sudden, changing your sleep cycle to an hour later in the day is going to have impacts on your sleep. And so, 
That is something. Again, if you go back to what animals do, uh, what our hunter-gatherer ancestors did, I mean, they didn't have clocks. They didn't have time changes. They they went to bed generally. It was based on the sun. When the sun went down and you lost light, you were pretty useless. You couldn't hunt. You couldn't gather. You know, you build a fire. You sit around, tell stories, and then you go to bed. You know what I'm saying? It's It kind of was matched up with the light cycles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, the further north or south you live by south i mean south equator you know the southern hemisphere rather which doesn't change much well around the equator it doesn't but if you're down by you know the southern tip of chile it does so if you're in the southern hemisphere you go south in the northern hemisphere the further north you go the more variations you're going to get or if you travel overseas this is what jet lag is you're going to travel to france and all of a sudden you're changing the time there by i don't even know eight hours i have no Mm -hmm. idea um you know, you're totally disrupting your sleep versus your body's circadian rhythm. Can you imagine those that work third shift? Right. Well, there is, and this is, and there is documented flip-flop? evidence of people that work third shifts and especially people that work third shifts and then switch. So the, the worst is when you're not consistent with the third shift. Like I know I have patients that literally sometimes work nights, sometimes don't. How unhealthy that is for your body. And I, I do believe that this was even in that book by Matthew Walker, that when you disrupt those sleep cycles like that the, the shift workers have higher rates of things like cancers all these chronic illnesses that were it's a contributor to abnormal cellular physiology breakdown inability to adapt and ultimately disease and again our diseases of lifestyle in western countries in industrialized countries are cancer heart disease diabetes mental disorders like depression anxiety schizophrenia um, these are these are not you know, malnutrition diseases um, or injury, mm-hmm. like our hunter gan starvation, that sort of stuff. Like and a lot trauma. of people still deal with trauma. Yeah. These are lifestyle diseases and that's really what's, that's what's killing us. And, and that's what needs to, this is what this whole, being hard to kill is about all of this is understanding that, you know, we have to get back to a, as natural lifestyle as possible. You have to give the cells their genetic requirements, which are, coordinated function as we talked about on the last podcast through so coordination through the nerve system an environment that is clean etc um and so that's do you have anything to add to add to that no i just i don't think we can beat that to death that and yeah, reiterate that enough or overstate the importance of exactly yeah this concept and this is you know we're gonna we did talk about this on some of the other podcasts but as as i just mentioned like Animals don't change their sleep patterns based upon a clock or what a government has said that it's now daylight savings on or off. It's another example of how humans have, we change our environment. And I think a very important thing is you cannot change our environment that we live in outside of our genetic um, range of adaptability and not have severe health consequences. Um, as we were talking before the podcast, I mean, this we have lost this concept that humans, that we are animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, we are a mammal. There is nothing physiologically different about a human body than a monkey, a rhino, a dog. I mean, physiologically, they're not exactly similar, of course, but I mean, the same we are virtually identical. I can't even, the, the genetic, what is it, a fruit fly? It's like we have something like 90%, 98, 90, it's some dis, like insanely high number genetic similarity between us and a fruit fly. I mean, it's very little actual amount of our genome that 
differentiates us into humans, which is we're not talking about genetic differences, but even physiologic differences, the laws that govern how an animal body works. We're not different from that, but we've lost that concept. And so we, the foods that we eat, how we live our life, we have created such an abnormal environment for our bodies. Uh, you know, there was this quote that um, you have one too. I'm going to read this. Mm-hmm. I think this is really good. The, the city is not a concrete jungle. It's a human zoo. And we've talked about that on uh, some of our, our last podcasts, but it's just such an important concept. And when you think about the things that we do, whether it's like sleep and light or the, the, the time changes, how, how much we manipulate our environment that we live in and why we don't think that's going to have consequences to our health. Mm-hmm. And then the flip side of that, and I know you have something to add here, but the flip side of that is then how we deal with when people do get sick because of our abnormal environment is so crazy. It's just so crazy to think that what we call scientific in the name of trying to restore people to health or deal with their illnesses is it's like it's crazy to me that this is actually the the way that we do it in the West is like the main way that we take care of sick people, uh, which we're going to get into in a second. But you had a quote, too, which kind of fits into this as well. From an actual medical doctor who I follow um, on Instagram, Dr. Lee Keneally. Um, she's a f- functional medicine um, cancer doctor out in um, California. I highly recommend she you follow her. She's a smart lady. But she um, said, you can't expect to heal in the same environment that got you sick in the first place. Which is a very profound statement and very, very true. Yeah, so if, we, if, we, if we're in a state of health that we are not happy with, like what something has to change and let's use this analogy because i think this is really good so in the 1970s um in the great lakes we had this kind of run of this epidemic i would say almost hate that term nowadays but uh a pandemic of uh fish that were dying in the great lakes washing up on shore they were finding tumors uh remember the simpsons wasn't there like a, a like on the opening credits to The Simpsons, there was that nuclear power plant right by the water and there was a fish that showed up with three, three eyes. eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just reminded me of that. Um, but there, um, we had all these, this really, I mean, just die off of all these species of fish in these Great Lakes. It happened fairly rapidly. Uh, even the birds in the in the kind of surrounding areas were their shells. We were talking about this beforehand. What do you deliver? An egg? I don't know. What's that called? Laying an egg. Lay. Thank, laying an egg. Yeah. When you when they laid an egg, the the eggs that they were in, the shells were super weak. Uh, they, they were very brittle. Uh, they were, you know, the uh, very few viable offspring. And the populations of birds, um, the fish, they're plummeted. Mm-hmm. And when you, like the biologists, the people who actually studied this ecosystem. You know, I mean, obviously the answer is like, well, there's so many heavy metals and toxins that in, in these industrial lakes that we have, we've literally poisoned the Great Lakes to the extent that we're actually causing such profound illness in these fish. And then the repercussions of that, the fish that would get eaten, these toxins and heavy metals would get eaten by the birds. And then that would be, you know, that would disrupt poison the birds, poison the birds and disrupt, you know, their physiology and lead to all this kind of weird, bizarre stuff. Uh, what's interesting, and this is uh, one of our, 
chiropractic mentor is kind of brings this point out and he said, you know, there's not, there's not a single biologist that blamed that on genes, genes or like bad genetics or, you know, whatever, or just said, that's ah, just kind of, you know, we don't know why this it, clearly it was the environment that was toxic. And the solution wasn't like, Hey, well, what we, you know, here's what we need to do. We've got all these fish that are dying and these, they have the, all these tumors and cancers and the infertility and these birds and all this other stuff. The solution clearly is going to be, um, you know, we need, what drugs do we need to add in to that water to help treat these fish or what organs of these fish or birds do we need to remove drugs and surgery, which are the main quote unquote healthcare tools that we use in the West. The solution was like, listen, the environment, we have destroyed the environment. And in fact, not only this analogy, but when you look at in, in modern times, whenever an animal species went extinct, it was, you know, again, no biologist, ecologist blamed that on genetics. It was always an environmental change. And literally, we were going through these examples, and there's not a single example of a modern uh, animal species going extinct that was not caused by humans affecting the environment, right? And we were chatting about this a little bit earlier, but, the, you know, we have this, you know, lots of uproar right now about... Um, Climate change, kind of change, basically, and, you know, the temperature of the earth changing. And it's, you know, some people think that it's, you know, obviously the, the climate is changing, whether it's man-made or whether it's not man-made. There's all these different factors that go into it. And, you know, we've always kind of said, like, it. who cares? The reality is, is like whether humans are causing the earth to warm up or not, like we should be taking care of this planet that we live on because it. if you poison the planet, like how we think... Like you, we, none of us think that you can poison the Great Lakes and have that not affect the fish. Mm -hmm. Like don't pee in the same water that you're swimming in. That's mm -hmm. gross. But like, so we should all have this idea of we need to keep this environment that we're living in, the water that we drink, the air that we breathe as clean as possible. And this is coming from a guy, I still drive vehicles and everything else. But this whole concept of like, you know, it doesn't matter what we do to the earth. I mean, we can't be that flippant with it, of course. You, he, we're never going to escape the toxins, an abnormal environment. Like we just have to create a, if we want to be healthy, exactly to the, the point of your quote that you brought up, like if our environment that the human body as an animal lives in is unhealthy, we are going to be unhealthy. There's mm -hmm. no way to get around that. We're not winning. Like there's no way to, there's no way to get around that. Yeah. And again, the approach is very much like, the medical paradigm in terms of climate change too like what what are they trying to do to affect climate change they're trying to artificially cool the earth by spraying and blocking the sun's rays what are they spraying and what are the consequences of that and is that further poisoning our the air that we breathe our the water that we drink i mean well, this is, I mean, this is the one thing about humans. I think we've talked about this even on this podcast before, but is, you know, what we're very good at doing is figuring out ways to change Mother Nature or the ecosystem that we live in. What we are terrible at doing is understanding all of the intricacies and the long-term consequences around that. I think it was the last podcast we talked about yeah. hunting the wolves. Yeah. Right. Where you, there was a good reason to get rid of the wolves, right? They were killing ranchers, cattle. So you hunt all the wolves and you kill all the wolves, but that doesn't just, 
Yes, you have more cattle that are around, but you now have pushed one domino mm -hmm. and we did not know that that one domino falling was going to spread out into affecting ecosystem after ecosystem in, you know, the, the Rockies or wherever they were doing this, Wyoming, Colorado, I can't remember specifically, but it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. It's, there is a balance in nature and we go in and try and change one variable to affect one outcome or a couple variables to change one variable. And we, we just are too ignorant to understand even the human body. There are 37 trillion cells inside a human body. And, and we were talking about this before as well. Like this doesn't mean that there's never a time and a place for a medical intervention for doing a drug, for doing a surgery. The point is, is like the conversation around, there, there's nothing, there is zero virtually conversation around how do we clean up our internal external environment so we don't end up in that place in the first place, right? right? And the, the, we know this, the reality is there's no money to be made off of healthy people or dead people in the medical industry. I mean, we make money off of sick, sick people living with illnesses. And I'm not saying that's the motivation. I just think that you and I disagree on that maybe a little <laughs> bit. I, I tend to be much more benevolent with uh, what I think people's, humans' motivations are. I think the majority of people on planet Earth are generally good people. And I think it's the best way to live. Even if you are a complete selfish idiot, the best way to succeed in life in a society is to be a good person and to serve other people like generally when you're an a-hole you may benefit in the short term but you're going to lose in the long term i believe like putin is an a-hole and is going to lose in the long term because of what he's done in ukraine it doesn't it's not going to end well for him in my opinion um it might it's not ending well for the ukrainians right now either certainly uh the point is, is like, so we disagree that I think generally people are trying to do their best, but when you're in this paradigm of all that we look at is the tumor on the fish and not the environmental, internal, the reasons that push that fish, push that fish into this abnormal state of health, right? If we just try and deal with the symptom and not the cause, that's just where we're at. The West is just, we're actually too good at manipulating the environment or manipulating things. And it's like we've forgotten to ask the question of whether we should be doing, is, is that the best approach in the first place? Right. Again, our, one of our mentors, um, he has had a huge impact on the way that we both think, uh, James Chestnut, another great Canadian. <laughs> um, you know, he always says like, the Western, Western medicine is hitting the bullseyes of the targets they're aiming for. The problem is, is that we're just aiming at the wrong targets if health is the goal. And so we, we, you know, as we were talking about this podcast, like healthcare in the West has so little to do with actual health, right? It is all about the disease. It's disease care. It's right. not healthcare. There's nothing that Western medicine can do for healthy people that we only act when they are sick. Like you bring your kid in for a well check and what do they look for? abnormalities right it's they a well check but we look for something that them. isn't working correctly right there's there's yeah. no like you don't go to your medical doctor to understand how to get healthier i mean we're at that point now everyone understands that and i think we were at this weird transition where we thought that the medical system owned healthcare, and so they knew everything about health and we trusted what they said and we did everything that they said and i think people are starting to see now that like no if i actually want health like i have to go 
I, I believe we've also, I mean, guys, you're going to hear a lot of the same stuff on these podcasts, but we've talked about this, like you need people in your corner that are experts in healthcare, right? In yeah. building health. It's the whole concept of salutogenesis. It's giving birth to health, health creation. Um, that's really the goal with what we're talking about here. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that you you never need to sometimes aim at the bullseye of a target that is treating a disease. You know, at some point you need to call the fire department, but you don't want to rely on the fire department to prevent house fires. That should be your electricians and your plumbers and, and everything else. Um, and I think the first step in that is, again, going back to understanding that you are an animal. There is uh, nothing different in you that you cannot be found in the animal environment. And so when we do things in our life that is different than what an animal would do for health, it seems kind of weird. And I'm, you know, we're not suggesting that we sell all of our possessions and stop shaving and move, move in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, live in the wild. Although that sounds actually Which kind of great. I, we um, want to do. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, is like, how do we, we have to just take a look at our life. With, I mean, even something like sleep. I mean, I, I, I would guess, and I was in this boat until I started researching this, that like, I never would even think that a one hour change because of daylight savings and turning that change would have an effect on health. But certainly that is different or, you know, these cell phones, we walk around with these cell phones and have them emit these radio signals all the time. And like, is it possible that this abnormal bombardment, bombardment, if I could speak correctly, with those signals, those radio waves are having an impact into the state of health? I mean, the reality is, is that humans are by far the most ill, sick, diseased species on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. Like it is... No question. Yeah, it's not even close. Uh, and any other animal that is close to as sick as us are the ones we domesticated. Right. We make our them pets. Yeah. Or zoos. Or animals in captivity. Right. Which we, yeah. we've mentioned that before. I think we mentioned this. I think it's something like 80% of Americans now will die of a chronic disease, a preventable lifestyle disease, heart disease, cancer, depression. I mean, it's becoming so normal now. We talked about this on the last podcast that, right, we, we're redefining what health is to include things that are absolutely unhealthy because it's just so ubiquitous everywhere. We have obesity. It's just a normal variant now, right? It's, I mean, it's just a different abnormal state of physiology. And that's, again, we talked about this. It doesn't mean we don't, I mean, there's, there's being unhealthy does not take away from your value as a human. The point is, is like for us to, it's, it's like your kids. If you had a kid that was acting like an a-hole and we go back to the a-hole analogy, Right, you love your kid, but you still have to discipline them and try and set them on the right path. It doesn't when you do that. It doesn't mean that you don't love your kid or don't value them. It actually shows more respect, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's how we have to look at ourselves. Like we need to show our ourselves more respect to take an honest look at how we're living and whether the things that we're doing are, you know, you and I both believe that these bodies that we are living in are gifts of God that our spirit gets to indwell for a period of time on Earth, and it is this is not. Taking care of our bodies is not distinct from the stewardship that God has given us over nature, by the way. Yeah. Right? And so... I just think, I, and I, I read this before, that it's not that healthy people look down on unhealthy people as like lazy, ignorant, or they don't care about their health. I think we've all been conditioned to believe that our lifestyle choices just don't matter. That, again, going back to like blaming genetics on our unhealthy stuff so what i eat doesn't really ma make a difference because i'm either 
genetically predisposition to have chronic illness or or I'm lucky type of thing. So I don't know. I would have agreed with that up until a couple of years ago. And now I think that we're at this state where, um, and I listened to this on a podcast uh, with uh, Ben Shapiro and Bill Maher, uh, two very different people. And they were having this beautiful, amazing discussion about this. But it's this whole concept of like, and it gets back into politics a little bit, but identity politics, that your your identity is now tied into things mm-hmm. like skin color and your weight and your health levels. And so if you if we begin to question now things like weight, it's somehow it's shaming. Yeah, it's it's like somehow that's your identity. Like they they brought up this point like when mm-hmm. Adele lost a bunch of weight. Right. She was shamed because she lost weight to get healthier. But it was like it was almost like they viewed it as an insult to their identity that people that are it's not they're not worth as much because, you know, she went from this obese person or I don't even I honestly have no idea. I've heard two Adele songs. I could not pick Adele out of a lineup, but apparently she lost some weight. I don't know how big she was, but, you know, she went from that state, which means carrying around that when she was carrying around too much weight, that was a sign of a lesser identity or something like that. Like we're, and this is, I don't know. I mean, this is just where we're at. And it's a mind virus, I believe. Sure. Uh, in the States right now, and probably in other progressive places all over the world. I don't know, but it's, I mean, literally is insane to think that now we have to re normalize because it's somehow your identity is tied to a state of physiology, which I think we tried to bring out in the last podcast. It's not, your identity is rooted in something outside of your physiologic body. We just have a responsibility to take care of that. And the reality is, is that life is better. Like, it, life is better when your car drives the way it's supposed to. Like, it's just funner to drive when you're not hearing clunking sounds and it's got, you, you yeah. press on the gas and it goes like, that's what your body does for you. Your body is the machine that you get to experience life through. And the, of course, like... Why not be at your best? Yeah, like it's, and that is, and if you're not, and none of us are, I mean, we know a lot of this stuff and like, this is, we're all just trying to move towards this state of more congruency and a better experience and more useful, a better functioning body. I don't, I don't know too many sick people that are real happy with being in that state. I do know some people who almost get a kick out of i think some of the labels that they get put on them you hear some you people talk about my ms yeah my my ms or you know i'm celiac and they almost identify with that but that that's i think a problem i think that we i we've now gained some sort of value or identity off of a state that is less than ideal and the point isn't that once you get to the ideal you've made it anyway it's just a that's not it's I don't know I just I think we're putting we're we're keeping score in completely the wrong game here mm-hmm. uh and so uh, to your point I, I do think most people don't most people don't really I mean we're so even our medical system even our trained profession professionals and, and they're brilliant at what they do and, it, and we talked about this before I mean we absolutely need drugs we absolutely need surgery in the situations where we need drugs and surgery the point is is that if we go back to the great lakes analogy what we don't need is more chemicals in the water and or less body parts for those fish to become healthy we need to change the environment that those fish are living in if we don't want to have that in the first place and there is zero conversation about that generally i mean there is a little bit but i mean even you look at COVID. i mean how we know that the deaths from COVID 
the severe illnesses and deaths from COVID were absolutely linked to obesity, type 2 diabetes, and other comorbidities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't even question that at this point. But if you brought up, where was, I mean, I understand you maybe can't get the nation fit again in the middle of a pandemic, but where's the talk about, I, actually, I do know people that have talked about health in this, and they were literally, it was misinformation. They were classified as dispelling misinformation because we should talk about vitamin D levels and exercise exercise i mean that's we know that exercise if you exercise think it was three or four days a week your risk of severe infection from covid was nil nil but where's that talk again i understand that during a pandemic you can't just go well let's just go for a walk and i can't change my health in an instant but the reality is is these are the things that we should be talking about for health but unfortunately our system is so built into this uh way of thinking that we just look at the tumor and we go, how do we get rid of the tumor? And very little on what caused the tumor that we, we really rob the, the patient, I believe, of the power to change their health. And just that, that was to your point. We've kind of been taught that it's our genetics or just random chance. The reason we get sick, if you died from COVID, it was just random chance. So we're going to lock the kids up just the same as the people that have, you know, stage three cancer. Yeah. You're crazy. Yeah. It's you're literally insane. That's crazy, that moronic so thinking. Yeah. Uh, and and so anyway, um, this is what we have to change. And so this is I don't believe this is ever going to come from a government. I don't believe this is ever going to come from you know a, a major institutions. We make too much money on sick people in this country to have this turnaround. And so you know we just have to be looking elsewhere for this type of stuff. But you know that's why again. That's why we're here, I guess, and part of the purpose of the podcast. So again, we've talked about all this stuff. It's just, you know, it relates to so much stuff. And, and I, I do think, obviously, getting into the practical, which we will get into little by little on things that we can do to help with our lifestyle and put our body back in a more congruent environmental state to allow the cells of our body to function and coordinate themselves to express life beautifully, which is health, right? We're going to go through that. But drilling in these philosophical concepts are so important because when we face a challenge like a virus, like a cancer diagnosis, like a loved one, you know, going through an illness, it really, it should, we should be filtering all of this through paradigms of like, why did they get sick? You know, what was wrong? What's the reason they get sick? Because, you, you know, treating something is one thing, but figuring out the reason why and then moving away from that and putting your body in a better state is the only logical, sustainable, like if we just had, if everyone in America or Canada had access to unlimited drugs, unlimited surgery, unlimited diagnostics, are we getting any healthier? No, I mean, take a perfectly healthy person and give them drugs. It's not going to improve. And remove anything. their pancreas or their appendix. It's not a lack of these. <laughs> it's not a lack of access. It's a, it's a paradigm that, again, is useful in certain circumstances. We've just. We, we're relying on. We're those relying same, on this paradigm for every situation. And it's like we are creating the problem. Yeah. We have created the even, even the need for. We talk about this vaccine. Like. We've, we're so unhealthy that we even created the need possibly to have this vaccine when this is ideally something that, you know, that your body handles. I mean, that's how we've done this for years. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, 
And again, I'm not to say there's never a time. We, Kate and I were talking about this beforehand, even having a little debate oh, yeah, on uh, you know when when way. is when do we cross that line between focusing on you know restoring building health, promoting health versus like when is it when is it an emergency and when do you intervene? Um, you know, and is there ever circumstances for that? And you know, and of course there is, and we've you know we, we certainly agree on, agreed that. on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, of course, that's the truth. But, you know, again, I think our approach always is going to come from the perspective of like, we have to fight and strive to understand how the, you know, environment that we're living in, whether it's subluxation of the spine, whether it's not enough sleep, whether it's, you know, our people that we live around and the mindset and the negativity of the people that we live around, just say no to negativity. I hate negativity. I hate negativity. (laughs) It's the worst. Uh, you know, how that is playing into our state of health. And that, I think, is just such a noble and productive, you know, imagine all the money that we spent on developing new drugs and we put that money and time and effort into, you know, what about mandating people go to the gym? Or not, screw the gym. How about just walk or just move? You know, so you don't need a gym, but I'm just saying. This is why I think the people that establish these wars on cancer and like these big industries, that's why I think they're trying to kill us. And this is where we disagree. I don't think like doctors and you said like people are generally good. I believe that too. It's the psychos up top that are trying to kill us or making money off of us being sick because there's good money in it. Well, that's where yeah. I think you think I think doctors are trying to kill us. And I don't I don't think that. I think they have very very smart, very well-intentioned, but educated again in a wrong paradigm for health. So then they can't get people healthy. Yeah, but with it's not drugs and th- this is the other part is we've They're given them power. Yeah. Like why we think, I, I literally had, a maybe I've shared this on the podcast, but I have a, a good friend years ago, we were talking about, you know, the government's involvement in health and different things. And he's like, I just don't understand why the government would do something that's bad for us. And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, the government. Hopefully knows, COVID opened up yeah, their some, eyes. Some like eyes their, I mean. Their handle on. They're so, this is the thing. Why we've given we have, I believe, as general generality, again, I know a lot of medical doctors and I think that they're brilliant people. I mean, I really do. And I think a lot of them feel trapped in a system that they know is not working. I mean, everyone, every medical doctor that I've ever talked to is on board with, with this. It's the system, the rules in which they're allowed to operate is insane. And the reality is, is that we have you and I as people going into doctors, not wanting to make lifestyle changes. Yeah. Asking so for drugs. I want to be able to keep eating the way that I'm eating. Just give me the Prilosec. They come yeah. in with coupons now, right, for this sort of stuff. And so it's sure. our responsibility, not the doctor's, but it's like your doctor's not responsible for your health. As a chiropractor, I'm not responsible for your health. You're responsible for your health, mm-hmm. right? It's, as soon as you give power to someone else, you are a slave. Slave. In that regard, I mean, it's you, you just, you have, you, you've voluntarily given up power. It's the whole, you know, as we talk about these given up to mask mandates and all this other stuff, like it's, I, I just don't, the government has done nothing positive, uh, generally speaking. I mean, I look at Canada and the United States, the two countries that I'm most closely tied with. And I got to say this, that, uh, I mean, it's pathetic. The leadership is pathetic. The leadership is pathetic. 
across the board. I mean, I'm so disgusted with politics in general and the people that are that we have elected. And then to give them power over our lives in this situation is in health is insane. I mean, the track record is very poor. The track record for health is very poor. And so why we've given a very poor system more and more power to dictate our health is beyond me. It's like at some point, I'm not going back to that mechanic because every time I go, something else is wrong with the car. Every time I take the car in, I have to do more and more crap to my car. Why we keep going? And so again, that's not to say that we don't need to go in certain situations. It's, and it's not their responsibility. That's my point, I think, with all this is like, we need to stop given that type of power to a system mm-hmm. that has really been unable to keep people healthy. Mm-hmm. If you like that, if you like going down that road and you're happy with what you get, read, that, read your quote again. You cannot heal in the same environment that got you sick in the first place. If you like that, just keep doing what we're doing. But we can't expect the same, we can't expect different, what's the definition of insanity? Expecting the same, the same, the different results by doing the same thing, or I don't even yeah. know, I butchered that Doing quote. the same thing. Over and over again, expecting oh, different results. Yes, yes that's thank what you. it is. Uh, that's insanity. So if you like that, fine. But if you don't, then we have to, you know, we have to change. And this that's is the philosophical concepts again, we're, we're just kind of hashing out and getting all fired up over, so. Right, well, it's a good thing to get fired up. Correct, it's, it's worthy and got noble. got kill the sacred cow amen okay i think that's it for today uh we hope you got some stuff out of this uh as always feel free to email uh us with questions connect with my wife on the socials she is on instagram at i don't even know what tyro k t c h i r o k t facebook you do facebook no i and I'm not getting, I'm not doing any of it. So don't message me on any of those. Uh, email if you want to email me. Um, and that'll be it for the day. And as always, be hard to kill. And Jesus loves you. Oh, I'm sorry. We talked about that last Even time. Even more importantly, Jesus loves you. That was her idea. And then she butchered it. Jesus forgives you, Katie. Thank you. Have a good week, everyone.